Hello and welcome back to Rescue Podcast. Today I'm joined by our two co-hosts, Molly Goldston, who's the owner and operator of Saving Grace NC. Hey, Molly. Hey, how are you? Great, how are you? Good, thanks for having us again. Yeah, for sure. And we also have Carter Cifelli, who is our full-time foster puppy meister and woman of many talents here on the farm. Hey, y'all, I'm how great. Are how are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. Um, yours truly is right here. My name is Will Sigmund. If you haven't heard of me before, it's probably simply because I haven't really been involved with Saving Grace for very long. However, I am getting more involved now, and we are happy to have gotten one of our awesome dogs from Saving Grace, and we also have three other pumps. Total of four dogs, and I just have a personal passion for dogs and, and the mission that Saving Grace has. Thought we can kind of explore a little bit more uh, about Sammy Grace today, specifically. Molly, can you give us a little bit of insight as to the goings on or the behind the scenes or some of the things that you want people to know about the organization? Sure. So I started Saving Grace in 2004, shortly after I had worked in animal welfare and animal sheltering in Wake County in North Carolina, just after I graduated college. So after I finished college of all the places I wanted to go, I wanted to go work at the animal shelter because I thought that was a really great place to, to make a difference and learn a lot about animals. And had no idea I would still be here 20 years later, but started Saving Grace. I saw the huge need at that time for a great adoption experience. You know, in the last 20 years, social media has come so far, and I think it's brought a lot of awareness to our communities just about how many animals there are right at our back door that need adopting and need care and are available. And our communities are really different throughout North Carolina. So being in the Raleigh area, we have more homes, we have more resources for animals in need, volunteers readily available, just because we're a more populated area. And I saw in these rural communities that they don't necessarily have that. Bringing those animals to a community where we have more adopters and also an environment where people could go adopt and it wasn't just like a chain link kennel and concrete and you just see each dog behind the chain link that looks sad and you're not really sure how that animal is going to be. You can't really picture it in your home necessarily. So I started Saving Grace just so that it was very small so that there would be a place for people to come out and be able to adopt. And once they adopt from us, then one of those dogs comes from one of the shelters that don't necessarily have an adoption program. That opens up a spot for them to come to Saving Grace and have a chance for adoption. So over the years, it's gone from just me doing all the ins and outs of it to a really amazing volunteer program. And we have different veterinary partners and have been able to increase our relationships with different shelters throughout the state because there is just such a huge need. It's really just amazing to see how many there are. So that's a little yeah. bit of the background of Saving Grace. Cool. 
I know one thing that I found interesting when we were talking a few days ago, I don't know, it might have been a couple of weeks ago, as far as the disparaging difference between dog adoptions and agencies across the country and how some areas of the country aren't quite in a situation like North Carolina is, and some some places might be a little bit worse. But I find it interesting. I believe you said as you go up more toward the north, there's not as much overcrowding and that kind of thing. So they've done a really good job in the northeast as far as addressing the problem from the shelters to individuals as well. They have laws that protect the these pets from just reproducing, basically just continuing to reproduce. And it's also harder in the Northeast. They don't have as many animals that live out outdoors year round. Here in North Carolina, the climate is pretty accommodating for animals to live outside year round. Not that they should, but they can certainly survive and reproduce constantly pretty much in North Carolina. So it's a little harder for for that to happen when it's freezing, freezing in the Northeast for that to happen. But they've really also just addressed the issue and tackled it from tracking these puppies and having licenses for them each year and encouraging spay neuter and having options for the spay neuter to be done. Whereas we're still really struggling with that here in some communities. Yeah. And I don't know about you. I know. So for those of you guys who don't know, Carter and I have actually known each other for quite a long time. We, I think, met in middle school and went through a lot of high school together. At any rate, I know that she is a native North Carolinian, as am I. So I have a really good idea as far as how the state can vastly differ between droplet areas like Raleigh, you take Wilmington, Asheville, wherever you across the state. And then amazingly, an amazing amount of pockets of rural in between those areas are, there are some counties I probably don't even know or off the top of my head, just because they're so rural and abstract. And in North Carolina, a lot of that part of North Carolina is not developed. And as you said, those temperatures, they can vary widely, even from the west to the east, much less from the northeast to the southeast, especially during times like right now, hurricane season, you got extreme highs, extreme lows, or water, etc. Carter, in your experience, I know that you enjoy traveling to the mountains with your family and your dogs. Do you see a lot of that? It's really crazy when you drive to either side, either coast of North Carolina to the mountains or to the beach, you really see a lot of interesting things and different types of towns and cities. And if you look closely, you'll also notice in those yards and in those houses, how differently people treat their dogs. And here, it's really not normally an issue if someone does have their dog outside, as long as they have access to shade, to water, to food, to medical care. It's, that's really not a problem. And you'll see a lot of people with like 
big kennel set up in their backyard. And that is just, that's where their dogs live. And I think to some people who live in Raleigh and their dogs are sleeping in their bed with them, sleeping on the couch, like that seems like a crazy thing. But realistically, those dogs can be really well cared for. The problem is when they don't get the proper medical care, they're not getting spayed and neutered. And so they're having litters of puppies. And then the moms have a hard time caring for them. The people aren't able to take care of the puppies or they just don't want to. You'll also see a lot of people, we see this a lot in the mountains, that way of life there. People don't keep their dog in a kennel. They let their dog just free roam. And if those dogs are not fixed, one plus one equals a litter of 10 puppies. And next thing you know, the population is just booming and those puppies are ending up in shelters. Um, and it's really because people just don't, Some and some of those places have really like the proper education for what it means to properly care for a dog and they don't have the means to do it. A lot of folks there, they do have the best intentions and they want to care for those dogs. It's just hard to. So Molly also does a lot of things like in Robeson County with helping them set up spay neuter clinics, vaccine clinics. Saving Grace helps out a lot and we've taken great strides there. It's definitely an ongoing battle in North Carolina though. Yeah. And I was going to bring that up. Great segue here into the Robeson County initiative, Robertson County, I should say. I think is the proper pronunciation, speaking of North Carolina counties. But at any rate, Molly, tell us a little bit about that initiative. And I think that's a little bit more of a recent thing that you guys have been doing. And it, tell us a little bit about how that operation worked in tandem with Saving Grace. Sure. Or Wake so, yeah, Sure. So one thing that I love about North Carolina, I was born here still on the same road <laughs> unlike a lot of unlike a lot of the people who are transplants here at this point mm -hmm. I'm from here originally but I love it because you can get to the beach or the mountains within three hours we have beautiful beaches and beautiful mountains too and a lot of times we drive from Raleigh to Asheville or Boone or to Wilmington or to the coast, and there's not a whole lot of town. There's a lot of towns. There's not really a lot of highly populated areas between those. So those are the counties that we typically work in. And I just, I really enjoy visiting so many different counties. I have learned so much about the state just working and sheltering because I go from one shelter to the next and often take back roads and have found lots of like, you know, really cute little towns I would have never stopped to check out and met, met great people. There's lots of good restaurants and not a lot of other things, but there are some really cute places and really, we have a really pretty state and it really varies from county to county for sure. But Robison is one of the highest euthanasia and least resources in our state. So North Carolina is third in this country currently for the amount of euthanasia we do, which is behind California and Texas. And those are really big states. So it's expected that they would have a higher number just because they're bigger areas. But primarily our rates are coming from these more rural counties. And we have reached out to 
partner with some other organizations in the Robison area. It's been a challenge there because there isn't a whole lot of education on, you know, the options of how to care for the animals just because they don't really have a lot of options. There is a new spay neuter clinic in Fayetteville, which is about, it's about 45 minutes to an hour, depending on where you are in the county to get there. So that is an option that has recently become available, which is wonderful for those who have transportation. A lot of times when we're dealing with counties that may have a high poverty rate, transportation is a challenge. So if you're an hour away, to those of us with reliable transportation, it might not be a big deal, but for some people it is. That has been a challenge for sure, but we've done some a couple of vaccine clinics there and are really hoping to be able to continue to partner with some other organizations because Saving Grace, we just don't have the resources it takes to, uh, I don't want to say make an impact because we certainly have made a big impact there, but there's just such a need that it's going to need, it's going to take some other backup to, to address that for sure. So for people who are not from North Carolina that may be listening, who may not even be from the United States who might be listening, can you, so... If you're listening and you don't know where North Carolina is in the U.S., it's on the East Coast in the middle, like in the middle on the right side. And that way we have our coasts and our mountains. Can you describe as far as I'm going to make an assumption that most people know where Raleigh is-ish if they know where North Carolina is, which is also in the center, center, a little bit to the east. If they're going from somewhere like Raleigh, which is the capital, how far away is Robertson County and Maybe give us a little bit of an idea of what you're doing there that you still need or maybe how listeners can help and might live in that area. Sure. So we work a lot with, so 40, Highway 40 goes from the mountains to the beach and then Highway 95 goes all the way up the East Coast, pretty much east eastern part of the state. So east of Raleigh. So we do a lot in that area, like the 95 and 40 to the beach and also down to the state line of South Carolina. So South Carolina has a lot of need too. They also have a lot of overpopulation there and a great need for adoption, rescue, spay, neuter. So we do a lot on that border and Robinson County is there in that border. It's the Lumberton area. And it's not just their county. It's all around for sure, all around the counties that surround them. They have the same, they have the same issues, but there tends to be a little bit more population in some of them as far as people. So there, that means more resources as far as having spay, neuter, and access to veterinary care. That's really where it is. And so it, it's easy to travel to but with 95 and 40. So we are we have a location right there on 95, and we are hoping to work with getting some more options for spay neuter there and also for to set up foster foster is huge and without foster homes uh, carter can tell you a little bit about this too i'm in shelters many days and so many litters of puppies come in and if i don't have a foster home to bring them back then they don't get to come to saving grace and in a lot of those cases that means they don't get an opportunity for adoption at all. The fostering plays a huge part in these animals 
opportunity for adoption. So the puppies have to have several vaccines to be able to go up for adoption. And that's just because we want to make sure that we're adopting out healthy puppies and we're not bringing something that's sick to an adopter or giving them something they're not prepared to deal with. So there's always a risk, of course, with adopting anything. And that's just part of taking on an animal at any point from anywhere. But we want to do the best job we can so that we can have a good adoption experience for our adopters and then hopefully encourage others to adopt through that. So without having a foster home, those puppies don't necessarily have an option. So Fostering is huge. We would love to establish a foster program in Robeson County or Eastern North Carolina so that we could branch out a little bit and have more foster homes because that would mean more puppies and mom and dogs in general being saved. So that's a need. Um, Funding is always a challenge for sure. So we are funded only by donations. So just really depends on how many donations we get as to how many animals we can continue to serve. That is certainly a way that people can contribute if they would like to make a donation. That covers all the medical care. Medical care is by far our greatest need. So there is an adoption fee and that covers a portion of the care that the animals have received while they're with us. So even though it's an adoption fee, It's just for these guys who come in with heavy parasites and needing medical care, spay, neuter, vaccines, microchips, many are heartworm positive, which costs an additional $1,000 on top of all of their basic care. It's a big undertaking. So we would love to be able to do more and more, not just in Robinson for more rural counties, but that's why we're hoping to be able to partner with maybe some of the national organizations that would be able to reach more people and help us accomplish this. Awesome. Yeah, I know that I went to college at Campbell University, which is on the way to Fayetteville, I guess on the way down to Robertson County toward Lumberton. And I can just speak from going there (laughs) that there's not a whole lot around there. So I can definitely attest and imagine Attest to that fact and imagine how rampant things can get without even really thinking about it. I think the average person simply just doesn't probably even think about it or is aware about it. And that's part of the reason why we wanted to do this show, get to raise awareness in general, but also in those those areas too. But that's really fascinating. I I used to have family also that lived in Fayetteville. So, you know, that's obviously a lot going on there, but get a little bit more south again, as you said, towards going over there. And yeah, you definitely get a lot of that rural area in the southeastern, between Fayetteville, Wilmington, and that South Carolina border is a lot of, there's a lot of rural areas there for sure. So thank you for sharing that. So speaking of fostering, Carter, tell us a little bit about what goes into fostering. It's, it's maybe not everyone wants to or has the means to go to your extreme amount because I have I totally seen your setup and it's amazing and your garage and everything is totally decked out for mommies with puppies 
And so I know that's your specialty, but what would you say the average, let's say the average person is listening right now and they're like, I don't know if I could foster. What would you say to them on surface level? Yeah. So first of all, I am definitely a little crazy and I have full on dedicated my entire garage, my entire yard, like literally my entire life to fostering puppies (laughs) Puppies and moms. I've gone a little overboard. But when I started, that was not the case. So also maybe beware because you will probably get addicted like I did. But my first foster puppy was just, it was just one puppy. And I did not have the setup that I have now. I did not even have an X-Pin to put her in. I literally have a bed and a towel. Um, And it was fine. I made it work. They don't expect much. If you can just give them somewhere to sleep and they feel like they are safe and they are getting meals that they can count on and they don't feel like they have to worry about where their next meal is going to come from if you are giving them even just basic medical care to then they have already made it even if they're just crammed in a corner of your garage if they're crammed into like your guest bathroom that is like the jackpot to these puppies and these dogs that we're bringing in so you do not have to have any kind of a fancy setup or anything crazy Also, saving graces like this, most rescues or shelters, also they provide a lot to fosters. So if you're worried that you're not able to get food or so the supplies that you need, there probably is somewhere you can go and it will be provided for you. Again, it might not be anything fancy, but you likely will be able to get a donated bed, a couple bags of donated food, and you'll have what you need to take care of that foster dog. And it really is so rewarding. Even if you're that you don't have the time for it you really you don't need to spend a a ton of time with them if you have one puppy or two puppies if you can just check in on them every now and then let them run around a little bit outside I cannot even emphasize enough how low their expectations are really out of people and out of where they're going to be staying and you will just be amazed at how they will blossom with a little bit of love, some proper care and proper food. And it's really something so special to see them get adopted, to see their new family and like how much that puppy has grown, how healthy they are, how happy that new family is. So if it's something that you're interested in, definitely look into it. Give it a shot. I promise you it is even more amazing than you would ever think it could be. Yeah. And you guys both have a weekend program too, right, Molly? We do. And I was going to kind of branch off on what Carter said, too, is we have so many different kinds of foster homes. And I guess I don't have kids, but I guess it's like parenting. It's not necessarily the right way or the wrong way. It's really different for everybody who has a different type of lifestyle or setup. We try to focus on and emphasize at Saving Grace for our foster program is especially like for the puppies or for the recovering dogs we get a lot with that have been hit by a car gunshot and we get a lot of like major eye trauma or maybe not trauma but neglect they might need some sort of surgery so for these dogs it's really a place to be safe and loved and have good food and basic care for the time that they need to go from a point where they are in a situation where they have no option to a loving family. So some of our fosters, I don't think they do anything else for the time that they're fostering. Like I think they just do so much with their puppies or their medical foster 
that they don't, I don't think they have a social life during, which is absolutely okay if that's what you want to do. And then there's fosters who maybe they have a 10 by 10 outside. And again, we want them to, they come in when it's really cold or really hot, but for the majority of the time, they can be outside once they get to be a certain age, especially if you have a bigger litter, they can be outside if they have a good setup, a comfortable setup. And some people do work full time and have kids and have a really busy life and incorporate those puppies into their mornings and their evenings, but they certainly go on with work and family just they would. Anyway, we try to pair people, of course, with dogs that need it most. If there's a dog that has maybe some anxiety issues, then we would try to pair that with somebody who had a little more time to invest in maybe some behavior modification. But it really, there's so many different setups and so many different ways that you can do it. It doesn't have to be how you're going to have your own pet and you don't have mm-hmm. to do some tricks and they don't have to be involved in every single thing you do for the whole day. So even though some people do, that's great. It doesn't have to be that way for everybody. And they do a good job too. We really try to focus on uh, the adopter and having them take on these responsibilities for their adopted dog so that that's their responsibility to make them part of their family and part of everything that they do, teach them the commands and the tricks and all of that sort of time investment. So that's just all the different aspects there are to different fosters, which is okay. The dogs that are coming to our program Like Carter said, they don't have a whole lot of expectations. These are usually dogs that have lived either as a community dog or a stray. They are not used to sleeping in somebody's bed and are disappointed when they're now on a dog bed. They're grateful for the dog bed and a safe, cozy, clean place to be. Yeah, I think it it, totally understand what you mean. It's a little bit funny phrasing to say expectations from a dog. Because I'm sure that they just are happy to get whatever. Most dogs are, even if they are bushy dogs, they have a very like innate, private in the moment. That's what that is. They do. They do. And their memories aren't more than 30 seconds long. So they truly do live in the moment. They do. Yep. I, it reminds me of the Beatles song, All You Need Is Love. And that's really all you need. To be a great Amen. foster or adopter. That's you true. Know? When talking about that is when we talk about a lot of the rural communities is a lot of these people didn't necessarily, a lot of the owners, they didn't necessarily go out and buy a dog or intentionally get one. It's just that there was a community dog and they were willing to give it a home. So I see that all the time is I couldn't afford to have her spayed or there wasn't anywhere around to have her spayed. And now she has puppies and that's why they're bringing the puppies in. And if there can be more access for these affordable vet care and spay neuter clinics, that, that home is great for that dog. Even for some, like Carter said, that are outdoor pets, if they have a comfortable and safe situation for that animal they are willing to keep it and give it a good home so trying to get some options for spay neuter is huge a lot of the 
clinics that, you know, I've worked with, I know there's a lot of research that's been done for animals like this in these situations. They come in, they get vaccinated, they get spay neutered. Um, that is often their only visit ever to a veterinarian, but to have core vaccines and a spay or neuter, it really makes that dog so much more, it makes it so much more healthy for the rest of its life. There's probably less medical care that they're going to need down the road if they have vaccines and they have a spay neuter, if they're spayed and neutered. And it also makes it it makes it easier to have it as an indoor pet, honestly, because they're not going into heat or they're not marking as badly inside. So those things really do mean a lot more than just population control too. Yeah. I think I see so many people who come in and just because they don't have a lot of finances, I can promise you those dogs are absolutely as happy and as loved as anybody who can give their dog all the vet care that they possibly could go above and beyond. So I really believe that getting this to those homes is important for the people and for the dogs, because we all know that dogs mean a lot to us. And when a stray just takes up at your house, trying to do the right thing and give it a place instead of taking it to the shelter where it very well may be euthanized, they haven't been a bad owner because they went and got a dog and couldn't take care of it. It's usually not that case. It's usually that they have found a dog or it's been living there and they're trying to do the right thing and give it a home. And that's also a point of view, I think, that a lot of us don't see depending on the community you're in. Yeah, totally. Awesome. Thank you, ladies, for joining me today. We are going to wrap it up there. We have many plans for the show. I know that I have ideas. Molly has ideas. I'm sure Carter has ideas. And so we are excited to explore the many different facets of adoption, fostering, dogs in general. I'd love to to get some scientists on here and talk about genetics and things like that. I love that kind of thing. And so we're just going to, we're going to keep it related to dogs, but we're going to get much more out there as far as our topics and things. But if you'd like to be a foster or learn more about Saving Grace or how you can donate or help with your time or your money, we'll put the link to Saving Grace in the show notes. And you can pretty much find Saving Grace at Saving Grace NC and also at SavingGraceNC.org. And they, that landing page to reach you to all of the social media and everything that we have. We're also, I believe, Molly, you're trying to expand the YouTube channel right now. So if you guys want to check that out, Saving Grace, we're not sure if we're going to post these there or if we're going to come up with a side channel. But regardless, you will be able to find out the latest information on the Saving Grace NT YouTube channel. Check that out if you want to. And thank you for tuning in today. And please share us with anybody you think would like to know a little bit more about dogs and subscribe and we'll talk to you in two weeks bye thanks bye everyone bye thank you